Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugach and welcome to Game On. So Tottenham are out of Europe. It might be the manager of Dinamo Zagreb who's in prison, but it was Jose Mourinho's team held to account on a terrible night for them in the Europa League. Joining us to discuss all this, Clive Allen, who played for Tottenham in England, amongst others, Lee Dixon, the former England and Arsenal fullback, and Martin Samuel, the Daily Mail's chief sports writer. Hello, everybody. I hope you're well. Clive and Lee, thank you very much indeed for joining us after, a, well, quite a week for the two North London teams. Clive, you were commentating on... All right, Lee, we'll come to you in a second. Sorry, sorry. Okay. sorry. <laughs> Clive, uh, you were commentating on Tottenham last night. Right, in no particular order. Um, Hugo Lloris calling the performance a disgrace. Would you go along with that? Yeah, I... I, I... I agree, I have to say, but um, I find it amazing that the club captain comes out and um, obviously describes the performances, but the, the nature of the content was alarming in respect that um, he's talking about players who are not starting in the eleven, who basically are not interested and not part of it, not playing their part. And, um, it was alarming. It was a, a, a position of strength that they went into the game, 2 new up from the first leg in which they played particularly well. Um, it was a Zagreb performance that you knew wasn't, they wasn't at their best in that first leg, but it hinged on the first goal. And when on the hour, Osic scored a magnificent goal. We've got to, we've got to give him that. But I've got to say that Aurier was caught. I'm sure if Lee, Lee would have seen it and seen the position that Aurier found himself in and the way he showed him inside, brilliant finish. And all of a sudden, Spurs capitulated. They really fell apart. They were awful, absolutely dreadful. And uh, you just sensed then that, there was trouble afoot, and that, that's what the result ended up at. And what did you make, Clive, Lee and Martin, come to you in a second, what did you make of Jose Mourinho's interview afterwards where he was very keen to say, my team, my team, in other words, I'm going to take the responsibility for this as much as those on the pitch. But he talked about a bad attitude as well. What, what did you make of what he had to say, Clive? I just, I just think it's Jose at his best, the, the way that he can deflect the attention from himself. I know he says it's his team, but um, the way his team played, the way his team have been played, certainly in the, in the North London derby at the weekend and then um, again last night, I just sense there's some real problems there. Whether it is that the players are, are not happy with the, with, the, with the style of play, the, 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 what he's trying to implement, it's not working. Lee, you saw the North London derby. You're working on it for uh, American television. From, from a Tottenham point of view, would you concur with what Clive said about the attitude you saw from Tottenham on Sunday? Um, yeah, I think certainly last night was was disastrous for them. I think the, the North London derby, what surprised me was that, um, which falls into what you just said about the style of play that, that Clive just mentioned, with the players that they had on on the pitch from the start, you would expect them. When we, see, we saw the team sheet come come out with Bale in and Son and Harry Kane, you know, I, as much as I we all know Jose and how he plays, I just thought with that team selection, you'd think, oh, maybe he's going to go about it a little bit differently. Maybe he's going to be a little bit more free flowing with those in the team, and and he wasn't. You know, the team wasn't. They were Arsenal played well, to be fair to him. We have to give them credit, but. I was really disappointed with the fact that that Tottenham didn't come out and have a go at Arsenal and, and really put them under a, a lot of pressure at the back, a big high press, and actually go at them with a bit of energy. So I think that would be really disappointing from a player point of view. If you you know if you're in the dressing room before that game, say I'm the right back or something, and I'm looking Doherty. By the way, I had probably one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Um, and he, but just say he's sitting there looking at that strike force, and I always used to do it with the Arsenal teams before. We, that was part of my pre-match routine and, and prep for myself to get myself in the right frame of mind. I'd kind of look at the, the back four and I look at the lads and I go, "Well, we're sorted." So I know I know I've got confidence in them. And then I would look at my forward line. I'd try and kind of bypass the midfield. I look at the forwards. I say, "Are we going to score a goal 
and I'd look and Dennis was up there or Thierry or Nicholas and Elk or Wright, whoever it was, and I'd go, well, we've got that sorted as well. So you go, before you've even stepped over the white line, you've got an idea about how the team's going to play. And I think if you're a fullback or a defender in that team at the weekend and you, and you see those three up front and, you know, the jury's still out on bail, but based on his whether he wants wants it enough or not, I think that's pretty obvious that sort of his attitude at times has been. You know, I, I was watching him just before he came off substituting. I said on commentary, and I said, oh, I said, Arlo, just look at you know Bale's body language. He was walking around. He was no effort into closing down. And I was thinking he, he'll get dragged in a minute, and he did. But I think if you're if you're given a free rein to go and play those three and go, Jose said to him, right, just get after him and just be explosive. Then you kind of look at, you know, as a defender, you're going, we've got a chance of scoring now. So I, we, we, we've got a real, I don't think they went out, they go out at the moment, Tottenham, and, and think they're going to do anything because there's no pattern of play. There's no real style to how they're doing it. And uh, hugely disappointing. And, uh, you know, take me being an Arsenal fan out of it. You know, it's disappointing to see an English team last night really just, fold in front of uh, you know a yeah. pretty average side they were playing against to be honest with you no disrespect yeah Martin I promise I'll bring you in a second one more to Clive <laughs> there Clive do you think that there is a little plan beyond Kane and Son and maybe Bale or Mora they'll get us a goal and then we'll be able to defend it do you, do you really do you wonder how much of a plan there is how much coaching there is going on at the top end of the pitch I, I just sense that uh, he he gives them free reign in terms of the the, the way the movement that they have, um, but it's it, it just seems the priority is that they have to be in defensive positions. They have to be rigid. They're not allowed freedom. Just to as Lee said, if if you if you played against that Arsenal side, they'll come and press. They'll push up the field. They'll win the ball back higher up the field as Manchester City do. They're the best example of it that you lose the ball against Manchester City, the likelihood is they'll try and win it back in, in, in your defensive third. And for Spurs, they're, they're defending that deep that when they don't progress the ball through the lines to Harry Kane, who's time and time again now coming into deeper positions where he's picking the ball up in his own half, that they're inviting pressure, they're inviting press high up the field against them. So all of a sudden, defensively, they're under pressure immediately. And, and that has been so costly for me. They, when, when teams drop off of Spurs, then all of a sudden Spurs will keep the ball, but keep the ball without pace, without moving the ball quickly, as they did last night for an hour. But there's no penetration. There's, 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 there's a, um, they're, they're easy to contain, I would say, when they have the ball defensively. So it's a real, it's a real dilemma um, I just the, the only way I can describe it is Spurs are not playing to their strengths and they're not playing to the ability that they have with the with the players they have within their squad. It's not it's not just one or two individuals. You know, when you've got Bow's pace, when he you've got his running ability with the ball, you've got Son who can run in behind, you've got Kane who can link the play and get into the box. You've got you've got to get the ball to them quickly, you've got to move the ball through the lines quickly. And if Spurs don't, Spurs are ineffective. And they can't defend. They just can't defend with any consistency. So, Martin, we've gone from a situation when 102 days ago, Tottenham were top of the league to now Tottenham scrapping for a place in the Europa League next season. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they'd like to be Atletico Madrid, but they're not good enough to be Atletico Madrid. That's, that's that. If you look at the way Jose plays and the way that everyone comes back behind the ball, it's very, very Diego Simeone. If you look at Atletico Madrid... That's what. That's exactly what they do. They bring everyone back. They don't even leave one guy up. And so you defend almost as 11, 10, whatever you care to call it. But they're not good enough to do that. And defensively, they've, they've had a, a, a problem all year. But, you know, the idea that Sergio is suddenly converted to a, a, a strong defensive right back, you know. Don't get me it, going on him. No, mate, I mean, look, <laughs> it wasn't going to happen, was it? I mean, you know, it might last a month or so, but you know it wasn't going to last the season. And, you know, Eric Dyer has, you know, wanted to be a centre-half. I'm not sure Eric Dyer is good enough to be a centre-half at a team that have got Tottenham's aspirations, which are is a Champions League club. And, um, I mean, the performance against Arsenal, the first half in particular, was 
you just couldn't see what they were trying to do. And that's never mm. been the case with Mourinho's teams. You've always known a Mourinho team yeah. before. You've always know what they look like, what they achieve, what they set out for. This Tottenham team is is is, is nothing. And, and I've I've been a supporter of uh, Mourinho's when when people say, Oh, he's a busted flush, he's washed up, you know, he's not the force he once was. It's very hard to justify what has happened at Tottenham because he can't keep finding bad dressing rooms. You know, he's, he's but Martin, bad dressing rooms. Can I, can I come in there, Martin? living memory. Yeah. But did you, but, do you not, but do you not think that just with what Hugo Lloris said last night, that it, it was an indication that it's a dressing room that they're, they're not happy with it. They're, they're, no, that's they're, what they're I mean. not happy because a happy group will perform in the way the manager wants. They'll perform with a confidence and a belief <clears> that they're going to get results. Some of the performances, you just sense that they've got, they have no belief in, in, in what they're trying to achieve, how they're going to go about it. Mm. Yes, they had a, a few results earlier on in the season. It worked against Manchester City because, in a way, no one had actually done that against Manchester City. They're not been able to sit back counter in the way that Spurs did um, and, and, and take their chances. So that, that almost, it, it sort of, it, it papered over the cracks in terms of what's, what Spurs were trying to achieve as a team and a group of players under Jose Mourinho. Clive, is there no doubt in your mind that what Hugo Lloris said last night is indicative of a dressing room that's unhappy with their manager? Absolutely. You, you can't have the club captain coming out and saying what he said Especially, I thought it was alarming when he said that the that players are not interested if they're not in the starting eleven. That that is in in the modern game with the squads, with the with the rotation, with the number of games that the teams are playing, the pressure they're under at the moment. Everybody has to be involved. You need you need every one of your squad to be available, to be ready to perform. And when it, when the club captain comes out and says that, I think so, Clive. My goodness, there's no chance. Clive, what you? Uh, I think when something happens like that, you got. I, I go to why. Why has he said that? You know, why would the club captain say that? So there's 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 reasons. There's apportioning blame elsewhere, which he's a player and he's part of that. So is he pushing that blame onto the manager? Is he pushing it onto the players that he's talking about? Once you start do, once you start apportioning blame elsewhere, and you're not taking it, you know, you're not taking it yourself and going, we'll deal with that in the training ground out the public eye once you start doing that you've got you is he is he trying to get the manager or is he trying to get a reaction out of the players now my experience of getting reaction out of players is you don't do it publicly you know Absolutely. because because then you 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 shoot yourself in the foot because you if it if you get a bad reaction then the team suffers so you you have to do that on the training pitch in your own dressing room away from the public eye and actually go, right, let's have a team meeting. Forget the manager, forget the coaches. Let's have a team meeting. And I'm going to say this to you, you three or four or whoever it is, you're a disgrace. You're you're not trying, if you're not in the first, you know, and have it, and have it out with the players in a private environment. That's the only way I, that's my old school belief. But once you start giving little, little uh, statements and interviews like that, the guys who he's on about, and they know who they are, they, they're all of a sudden that, that rift becomes bigger. So you're not going to be able to heal it in a, dra- a dressing room situation. No. So it's broken. It's absolutely broken. And now the manager, whether it's his fault or not, is part of the blame. And I'm sure Jose takes his responsibilities. But now you've got three different, you've got the players who are trying, the ones who are not, and the manager trying to pull it all together. You've got absolutely no And Lee, are no you chance. saying the players who aren't trying are going to go try even less now because the captain's called them out publicly? So they're going to think, why should I bother trying? Because he doesn't rate us anyway. Absolutely. Mark, it just, seems, it just seems, and Lee would know, it just seems that there's rifts, rifts everywhere. It's not just one problem that they need to solve. It, it, it's a number. And Lee, Lee will know, like I do, and yes, maybe we are dinosaurs, we're old school, but that dressing room self-polices itself. And you have you have the characters who will step up, and you know when they some whoever it, if it was if it was Tony Adams for example in your dressing room, if it was Stevie Perryman as as the captain in, in my dressing room, if if they come in regardless of how they were playing, and they said to you, "Come on, you're not doing it. You've got to do better, and we need to sort this out. This needs to happen," and 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 things things were sorted. I, I think Spurs dressing room at the moment is, is disintegrated. Harry Kane will be vocal, I'm sure of that. But whether whether that's enough and whether there are enough of those personalities, 
I think I think that 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 that's being exposed now. But Clive, this is the hard question to answer. Why has it disintegrated? Why, from a team who were top of the league 102 days ago, why has it disintegrated? Because there seems to be an incredible roller coaster of Mourinho. I remember Lee saying to me the first time you saw him back as Tottenham manager, he had such a smile on his face. Tottenham started well, then they had a dip. Then this season, top of the league. Then they had a terrible dip. Then they had the great wins before the Arsenal game. And Bale's back, and they're up there. Now a week later, they're down here. It's a it's a terrifying roller coaster. But Clive, why do you think it's disintegrated? Well, I think that um, you know Mourinho is always an emotional character, and you you can you can see when he's happy, he's everyone's friend. When he's not, he's everyone's enemy. And um, unfortunately, at the moment, I think there's a lot of enemies. Um, he's not happy. Um, he was expecting to be successful. Um, would a Carabao Cup win be enough? I'm not sure it is for me. And I've I've, I've said it. I think that it smacks of, of one day Ramos when he was at Spurs. He won the Carabao Cup, but a wonderful result against Chelsea. But just a few months later, there's, they start the following campaign, two points in the first eight games, and, and all of a sudden the whole thing fell apart. So, um, yeah, it's a very, very unhappy camp. And I, I have to say, I see history repeating itself. Yeah. Martin, are we into the end game now? Are we into the end game? I've in 13 years. That's what's the problem. They haven't won a trophy in 13 years. I mean, what? where should Tottenham be? They haven't won a trophy in 13 years. Everyone has been telling everyone how useless Arsenal are, right, for the last however many years, 10 years, Arsenal are useless. How many cups have they won in that time, Lee? You, you would know this. How many Lots. times they've won the FA Cup in that a time? A record Lots. number. A record Lots. number. You yeah. couldn't get in the, you know, if you put it in a small cupboard, you couldn't get the door open with how many times they won the FA Cup. There's, there's your problem straight away. That's why there's a roller coaster. They're not quite... Good enough. They, you know, Leicester won the league in, in a year when Tottenham could have, that was your chance. There's your chance. Yeah, there. it was. And, and, and Leicester won the league. Um, and then since then, it's, they've been fighting to get it back. They get, to the, they get to the Champions League final, which is a fantastic. But you've got to remember how they got to the Champions League final. They got to the Champions League final with a result against Ajax in the last few minutes against Ajax that will, that will never be repeated. You know, it, it's there. There is not great consistency. There has never been great consistency in the Tottenham team. Not really, because otherwise, if you're consistent, ultimately you win something. It might only be the League Cup. It might only be the FA Cup. These tournaments that apparently don't matter to these major clubs anymore. But you'd win one of them. You'd get a little run together, and and, and you'd win one of them. And Tottenham don't. And it's a problem. And they haven't got the money because they've invested in having the greatest football stadium in the country. It really is. It's a sensational stadium. And they've invested big in that. And as Arsenal discovered, when you do something like that, it affects the amount that you can invest in your team. And they've got a, a significant rebuilding job. I, I doubt very much if, if Matt Doherty was Jose Marino's idea of the greatest right back that he could possibly um, uh, have bought when you look at uh, who Manchester City have got and, 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 and other clubs, you know, Alan Mbisaka at uh, Manchester United. I doubt if, if Doherty was his, would be his number one, but he was the number one that was in within Tottenham's budget. And all of this is part of the problem as well. It, it's, it's, not just, uh, uh, it's not just, I don't think about, say, losing the dressing room or whatever. It is a, it is a problem with Tottenham that going forward, they've got to rebuild the team and they've got to find someone who can rebuild the team on Tottenham's budget. And as Arsenal discovered, that's not easy. I think I think you've hit a good, uh, really important point there because, as you said, when they, they should have won the league when Leicester won it. Mm. No, that's taking yeah. nothing away from Leicester. They were right there. Yeah. They were just, you know, can they get over the line? All that pressure of not being able to get over the line, not winning a trophy, did it piled up on them and they folded at the end of the season. And then you're going into the, the new stadium yeah. rotation of, of players to try and keep the team going without having any money to buy the best players. And that so you, you're now going into a, a spell with Tottenham that Daniel Levy has got to be it's once you get the stadium sorted and the finances you, you've got a plan like Arsenal did, you can then start to go, right, we can see where we're going to be able to spend money. Unfortunately for Arsenal, they went through that and then they, the team didn't, they got out of Europe, yeah. they're out of Europe now and the budgets have gone like that. Tottenham have now got to be brave and go, right, we've got to get some money from somewhere and go again. Now we've got the stadium, we've got to plan how we repay all of that and then we've got to get the team. And ultimately, we're talking about things and managers and 
you're on to care who you are and, and it's always been the same Clive will tell you you're only as good as the players you've got players it's all about players so Jose can look at that team and Matt Doherty's right you, you know if you look at that 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 signing and going you know good player for Wolves coming into it he's struggling a little bit but is that the player that that Jose Marino would have wanted to go right we're going to the next level we're going to try and push for to to be Champions League every year and win the league and put pressure on with this team at the moment you're going to you, you're looking at 5 10 years before you're able to spend the money to be to 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 actually rival Liverpool and, and Man City so they're miles off it and they 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 and fortunately for Arsenal they've gone they they not not say nick a cup because they get they find a way of winning something along the way so they placate the fans a little bit as well and now they're in a position where They've got to be brave as well. Arsenal have got to say, right, now, where are we now? What are we going to do with Arteta? Are we going to go, right, you've got three more years, you've got six more windows, build the team. Um, and they're at a crossroads as well. Let's, let's, uh, we'll get on to Arsenal in a second. But of course, Clive, the best way for Tottenham to generate some money is through their centre-forward. And he, he wouldn't be human if he weren't thinking about his future this morning, Harry Kane, would he? He's the best way for Daniel Levy to, to generate some serious funds to make up for the financial shortfall that we're all talking about, which will come from not being in the Champions League. Yeah, I think um, there's no doubt we're in, we're in crazy times with, with what's happened, no support, the income lost from the, the new stadium, which Martin rightly says is quite incredible. And is all part of the plan that has um, again gone against Spurs in as it has most clubs, but certainly Spurs in the way that they're not able to fill the stadium and generate that income. So there must be a massive shortfall somewhere. The biggest assets, and there's two of them: is Song and and Harry Kane. Um, and Harry, who's done quite extraordinary things in his goal scoring feats, the way he's performed for the club, been a model professional. But there does come a time in a player's career where, where you ha have to think, you know, what next? Now, is he going to see out his career at Tottenham? I think he might because I think he, 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 he born, bred, he's, he's enjoyed everything that he's done at the club, achieved just about everything that he wanted apart from the, uh, the, the silverware that, that's eluded him and, and, and the club. So there comes a point and sometimes... There is a coming together with the club and a player where the, the club also look at his value. Is that now going to start to diminish? Is he, at, you know, as most valuable at this point? And will he will he be attractive to? I I, I do believe only a few will be in the position to actually attract Harry Kane. And would he want to go go to certain clubs? But this might be the summer that that, that happens. He's 28, Martin. It's now or never, really, isn't it? Both for Kane to move to play for clubs where he thinks he's going to win regularly, but also for Tottenham to get maximum value for him. No, yeah, I mean, we have this conversation almost every week, you know, like, what, what Harry Kane and where's he going to go and is it the right time and, and this. It, it's a very, very difficult situation. I, I think we were talking about the, the same thing. Uh, last week and it, it's not it, transfers need good timing as much as anything else it needs to be right for the selling club right for the buying club and right for the player there's not much about Harry Kane leaving this summer that's actually right um, really when you think that Tottenham would probably demand more for him than Dortmund would demand for Haaland uh, who is younger so that certainly there is a club that um, might want Harry Kane that might go with Haaland instead. So that's one avenue closed. Um, Chelsea need a striker, but I doubt very much if Harry Kane would want to move across London with all that he said about Tottenham and everything. You don't really see him rocking up at Stamford Bridge, although they need a goal scorer. Um, you're looking at Manchester United, you're looking at Manchester City. The Spanish clubs are, are, are well, skint, to put no final word. A word. Yeah. It, the, the Italian clubs can't. Um, have never been able to afford that money anyway. Bar Munich don't pay that money. So you're looking at Paris Saint-Germain and the great reunion with Pochettino, although he's got Mbappé and Neymar and, and <laughs> you know, so he's got two guys looking to take up position A anyway. If you get the third guy get looking up team. to take... Yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> I mean, you've got three guys all looking to take up position A and all yeah. thinking that should be, you know, where you know, they should be the priority. So that is not an obvious fit. So you're looking at City and United... 
And again, Haaland could go to one of them. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's far from perfect for him. What you, uh, what you do know is if Tottenham was set up right in terms of the squad, there's no way Harry Kane would have started against that group. Because you're tuning up from the first leg, it's Dynamo's a group. You, the man's just coming back from injury, he wouldn't be in the team. You'd give him a night off. You know, he's already saying England should rest him, you know, San Marino, and I totally agree with that. I mean, what, what would you play, play Harry Kane against San Marino for? But it, it same, just applies, same applies last night, Clive. You know, yeah. if you had a reserve that you trusted, if you had a forward line that you trusted, you'd say to Harry, sit on the bench just in case this all goes wrong. You know, but, but, uh, but for me, Martin... Off. Absolutely, and it, it smacks that Jose Mourinho knew that they needed a, they needed a goal to get mm. through last night, yeah. and that that was how he was feeling. He, he didn't he didn't trust in his defence to to keep a clean sheet to win one nil, which wouldn't have been impressive, but they would have qualified and gone through to the next stage. So I, I think again, it just emphasises the the dilemma at, at Spurs at the moment. I'm not, saying, I'm not just sorry. I'm not saying you leave him at home because mm. Alex Ferguson would go to Milton Keynes. He'd go to Exeter, and you yeah. still have Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo or Wayne Rooney on the bench just in case, you know. But the bench would be, in, in, in my mind, where Harry Kane would, should have started last night. But unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> as the goalkeeper as the goalkeeper said, if you're not in the eleven, the boys are not interested. Yeah, which yeah, I, yeah. I just find the most. Incredulous comment. It's just mm. uh, ridiculous. Mm. I, on Harry Kane, I th- if I'm buying Harry Kane, if I'm if I'm in the market to buy him, I'm looking at him now and going, he's, he's right not going off. to Arsenal. <laughs> no, we don't. We got rid of him once. We don't want him again. <laughs> um, if I'm looking at him, I'm, I'm, I'm he's right on the edge for me. I think he should have gone two years ago. I really do. I think for for if you take his loyalty to uh, Tottenham out of this for a minute and just look at it from a player's point of view, he he might have just when when they when they could have should have won the league, and then he's he's massively coming into his peak and he's definitely out of his peak now. I don't care how good he's playing, how many goals he scores, with his injuries and the fact that both his ankles are pretty mm. shot to pieces. And mm. I know having an ankle that I've managed for six, seven years towards the end of my career and we're looking at the players with, with you know, um, with ankle injuries. They're really horrible ones to manage as you get older and I think he's always going to get knocks on his ankles because of the way, the type of player he is. Centre-R's defenders will, you know, target those areas That's and it. say he's got weak ankles. We'll give him a rap then first minute. It's just the way it is and I think, um, and you look at the teams as you as you said, Martin, that could that could possibly buy him. I would always have if it's Harry Kane or Haaland right now. Haaland all day long, all day long. He's not, you know, he's younger. He's still scoring. He's proven himself. He's got he's got all those years of great Harry Kane to come, and he's mm. still great now. So as a as a, I think he's I honestly think he's he's he, Clive. You might be right in saying he stay at Tottenham for the rest of his career. If he doesn't move this summer, I think he won't have any choice because he'll be, he'll be outpriced. No one will yeah. pay his wages. And he's like, do you know what? There's other options and he'll end up staying there and not winning the trophies because I can't see... he's not going Tottenham are not going to turn into a championship winning side in his peak because he's right on the edge of it now. So by the time they get good, if they do get good, by spending money and going to the next level, he'll be too old. Was Brian Robson at Manchester United by the time yeah. by the time it, it was going right for him, yeah, Brian, you know, he was on he was on his way out. Yeah. Well, the thing about Jose Mourinho is, and there's always plenty to talk about, but you said it, Martin, and someone said it on Twitter last night. He's very unfortunate, Jose Mourinho. How many dressing rooms he finds where the dynamic isn't quite right? Well, it's unbelievable. <laughs> he's finding he's yeah. finding more bad dressing rooms than any man in, 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 in managerial yeah. history. Everywhere yeah. he goes, it turns out they're complete rotters. Whatever whatever yeah. they did before, they could win the league, you know, but it turns out they were complete rotters. I haven't heard but, that word for a while, rotters. No, yeah, that's a good rotters. Word, good word, isn't it? Uh, you know, I'm no. trying to bring it back. Right. Every well, dressing room, I, every dressing room I've been in, and I've been at a few clubs, as you know, there's always a few rotters. It oh, has always, to be because yeah. that's part of the dynamics. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's when the rotters go... overtake the good ones. That's when yeah, you're in that's trouble. That's the problem. <laughs> right, yeah. Let's go across North London because it was exactly as if Arsenal shot the lights out. Lee, the only difference is they managed to get through. But a Abamyang had a stinker. Is there something going on there? 
<laughs> well, yeah, he can't turn up. He can't turn no. up for a meeting on time. He doesn't know um, that Buswell Hill in North London has very bad traffic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we've all we've all been late, um, and we've all taken our punishment. And there's no reason why he shouldn't have took it at the weekend. And I and I stand by Arteta 110. percent I, th- I hate that when someone says 110 percent, 100 percent. And you know, on the day we were waiting for the team sheet to come in, and it came in and had a little uh, a little birdie told me that he might not be playing and I was like oh right okay and then when we found out the reason I was like yeah well done absolutely and I, and I immediately looked at the warm-up um, before the game and I, and I was looking at the young lads going through their motions and doing their stuff and I thought that's why it's a good decision for those lads on the pitch mm. those young the young players warming up so, and, I, and Aubameyang was about 20 yards away from um Saka and 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 um, Smith Rowe, and they were they were warming up, and and his body language was absolutely terrible. He was walking, he was just flicking the ball, and I was like, I hope you're looking at him now. I hope those kids are looking at him on the warm up, going, "Wow, look at it!" You know, that's not right. It's and it was it was the it was the best thing he could have done. He you'd think he'd come out last night and 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 you know have a great game because he's bounced back, and he didn't play well. That's not necessarily an attitude thing I don't know you know I don't know him as a person I don't know how he would react to being dropped uh, for being late but it's it's something that needs to be sorted out from his you know his personal um, his personal protocols that you get right before you go to any game you make sure you've got everything you need for the day you make sure your mind's right you make sure you've eaten right forget whether you're having a pre-match meal with a club you're looking after yourself your breakfast is right your kids are not bothering you too much you have your own space to prepare for the game all that and you get in the car knowing that you give yourself an extra 45 minutes to get somewhere so all of that sort of stuff is his is his you know his stuff and if he can't manage that himself or he can't be bothered to then there's got to be repercussions and so yeah well done um and when you say is there anything going on, he's a he's a goal scoring um, player who, if he doesn't score, he's not a, he's not a he's not a thrilling runner. He's not a Thierry. You know, Thierry made. You watch Thierry play, and he makes explosive, thrilling runs. That even if he doesn't get the ball, you go, oh, "Did you see that run?" You know, Bamiyang's not like that. He he does make runs, but he's not he's not one of those players that you look at and go, "Oh, what a player!" You know, he's he's great, graceful on the ball. He's he passes the ball lovely, all of that sort. So you don't get that from him. You get goals, and if he doesn't get goals, then you know, I personally, um, you know, this summer's a big summer for him because if Lacazette goes, can they let him go? Can he? Can he go somewhere else? Is he? Is he the type of player that Arteta wants to build a team around? He doesn't seem like an Arteta type of player to me, but you know, he's on ridiculous amounts of money. It'd be difficult for him to get to 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 move him on and get somebody else in because the finances of the club are absolutely shot to pieces. So his, his, um, you know, his evolving this team into a diff, into the next stage for him, is going to be such a slow process that the fans and the expectations of the club are still there, although they've dwindled a bit, you know, we're now going, can we get into the top eight? You know, that's, that's how, that's how low we've dropped. It's like, do we get anything for eighth? Yeah. You might get to play in that other cup that the conference did last week. The conference, yeah. Um, so, you know, the standards have dropped so low to get to where they, they were before even is, it's a huge step. And he's, you know, and the pressure's on him because this team, because you can't rely on them as a, as a, as a team to churn out results, they'll go two, three, four, five, bang. And then, there was a time when he played not that long. I can't remember it was December or whatever. But when they played, uh, che- they beat Chelsea at home. And I think they had Chelsea, Brighton, and West Brom. And you think if they get beat at Chelsea at home, then you, that's not a disgrace. You kind of c- could see that happening. But you, if they lost the next two, it'd be three on the trot, and they would have been in real bigger trouble than they were. And I was thinking, if, if he lost, lost those three, he's under massive pressure. The fans that have been in, it's been a bonus for him that the fans haven't been in at times. He's got away with, um, you know, being able to, uh, to to cajole the players into playing this playing out from the back thing. But at times, they definitely wouldn't have got away with that with a full stadium. 
<laughs> no, Leno playing into Shaka in a full stadium. Clive, can you? It's, see- it's, a, it's the same at yeah. Spurs, isn't it, Mark? It, had there had there been the sixty-two thousand in there week in week out, watching what and and watching the way that they've been playing. That would have been exactly the same scenario for Jose as, as it as it has but, it would but, have Clive, been for, for Mikel Arteta. My question to you, Clive, is the difference between Arsenal and Tottenham is can you see what Arteta is trying to do? That he is trying to coach this team who have younger players, and Tottenham don't have younger players coming through at the moment. Arsenal got Saka and Smith Rowe, and they've got Odegaard on loan, and Martinelli is coming back from injury. Is that the difference, Clive? For you, you can see what Arteta is trying to do with younger players. Yeah, and, and as Lee said, they've, they've gone, I would say that in terms of, of the process and the way things are developing, Arsenal are five years ahead of Spurs with the stadium, with what's happened, the financial implications yeah. that they've had, the, 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 the age, the nucleus of the group, the, the young manager that, that's dynamic, that's making, making decisions and learning while he's making those decisions, a massive one on Sunday that has worked incredibly well in his favour. But bringing those young players on side, developing them, their belief in him is in complete contrast to the players at Spurs and the belief in the manager. So you you can see Arsenal as a group, as a squad, moving forward, going forward. Yeah, you know, you, you there, there's always going to be issues. You, you, you have to be ever-evolving. You know, the, the best was Sir Alex at Manchester United, the way he, he built a group, a team, successful that breaks up, but he adds, he, he rebuilds, he, he reinvents it. Um, and, and that happens over a long period of time. But the nucleus there at the moment between the two teams is certainly in Arsenal's favour. And actually, Lee, if Arsenal are going to stick by Arteta, they might as well reap the benefits when he is more experienced in three years' time rather than chucking him out before that and letting somebody else reap the benefits because he's done the hard yards at Arsenal when things weren't going so well. Yeah, and I think sometimes we forget because he's so assured with his press conferences, because he's come from Pep's corner, um, we, we forget how inexperienced he is. And I think sometimes I've, I've done it myself. I've gone, oh, he should have done this, he should have done And I was thinking, why has he made that that decision? And I was thinking, well, he got at the moment, he's he hasn't got an awful lot to fall back on. When you make a mistake and you go, oh, you know what, last time I did this, maybe I should do this. He hasn't, he, he's just starting to build that that back catalogue, if you like, of, of information for him to be able to be a be a coach, be, you know, because he's, I, I believe, you know, from people I know at the club that he's a brilliant coach. Some of his coaching sessions, what he's been doing with the players, um, and I trust this person who told me and said, you know, he's, he's, he's a great coach. The players love his coaching. So I think already you're in a position where you go, okay, going into a game at the weekend, they've, they've been given a lot of good information during the week. So it's up to the players whether they they work on that and they they gain the, the result that, that that deserves. Sometimes it doesn't. and it but, so you, but over a period of time, you'll then get start to get consistency because the ideas from Monday to Friday are starting to drip into the players, especially these young ones who are so off the cuff, brilliant, you know, Smith Rowe, he's, he's come into the team playing off the cuff in that like 10 off and then sometimes off the left. And he's and he's been fantastic. But there'll be a period of time where he gets a bit confused because there's too much information or he's, he's playing too. You can play too well at times, you know, and it, everything becomes too easy and you start forgetting why what you're supposed to be doing. And he'll have dips and troughs like all young players will. And it's about the senior players. And I think that's why... You know, and I'm not his biggest fan, you know, um, with Xhaka. I think the fact that um, he got him back on board and he, and, he, and he made him a more stable presence in the team and he kind of, he was, oh, right, he's back. And then, yeah, he makes his mistakes and he does this. and he does, We all want him to be better. He, he can't be any better. He is what he is. I don't think he's, I don't think he's good enough to play in Arsenal's midfield at my standard as where I see to, uh, Arsenal. But is what is what we've got. So, with that experience, and he is hugely experienced, it will rub off on. It's like David Louise as well. I mean, some of that defending last night. Oh my god! <laughs> I just need to take a minute. Okay, so when he squared himself up, you know, when they when they scored the goal, I'm like, how old are you? How, how why aren't you, you know? But I let him off with that because he will get hold of one of the youngsters and say something to him that will be more beneficial 
than the mistakes he makes over a period of time. So you've got to have that balance. And I think that's what Arteta's trying to do. And I think we'll see the benefit of it if he's allowed, if he's given some money and players that he wants to bring in. That's the that's the thing, Martin, isn't it? That's that's what's going to be so fascinating. If he's given some money, goodness knows where the money comes from. If he gets some players, what can he actually do? Well, it's very hard to be Pep Guardiola without the money. You yeah. know, all, all the world. Yeah. And I don't think it is just about money with Pep Guardiola because there's plenty of teams spend money and 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 some of the things he he, he does are, are so innovative and they're, they're so different to other managers. And everyone copies him and it doesn't work for everybody. And the reason it doesn't work for everybody is they're not working with the calibre of player that Pep Guardiola is, is, is working with. So he's working with Manuel Neuer and now with Aderson. And they are two of the best footballing goalkeepers you will ever see. Other people are trying to do the same thing with guys that aren't quite as good at, at, at football as, as those two guys. And amazingly, it's, it doesn't produce exactly the same results. It produces carnage sometimes. And and that's the problem that Arsenal, you know, there's a there's a bit more to it than getting Pep Guardiola's right hand man and then saying, right, go off and be Pep Guardiola, because Manchester City have supported him with money throughout his, his time there. Bayern Munich supported him with money at their level, because they don't spend hugely, but they supported him with money at their level, and so did Barcelona. Now, Arteta, if you're dealing with players that are the step down from from, from that elite well, you're not going to get that same level of performance. So it's, it's going to have to be an extraordinarily good coaching job to deliver what Arsenal hope he can deliver because they're not actually giving him the, the, the real tools to do it. We come back to the sort of Matt Doherty point. I wouldn't have thought Mikel Arteta's idea of, you know, a solid defence, a really solid defence, would include too many of the guys that he's working with at the moment. You know, the, the Tierney perhaps and, and Bellerin maybe, but, you know, the centre-halves, not necessarily. <laughs> Don't there say Bellerin to Lee because he gets all no, right no, back. Yeah, right I mean, I, I was trying to, look, I'm I trying just, to be I kind just I mean, I don't want to be the bloke who comes and says, Tottenham juices, <laughs> Arsenal juices, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, you just did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know. I did. Yeah. Uh, let's <laughs> let's finish like. off with a couple of other ones. Uh, Clive, it's great to have you on. Of course, you encompass most London clubs as you play for most of them. So let's talk about Chelsea briefly. Serious question. With the way that they're def- they are so defensively sound, could they win the Champions League? Um, I don't think they have ultimately the quality that's going to make the difference at the end of the competition. I think they're going to be very hard to beat. I think you've got a manager, and we, we're coming full circle again, yeah. back to the manager, the influence he's having on the team, the tactics that he's adopting, that, um, that the players are responding to. And I think that um, Tuchel's done a fantastic job. He's had the response. And, and again, you've got, to, you've got to look at the Chelsea squad, and the nucleus is quite young. So he's influencing young players who have talent. Again, as Martin said, you've got a, a squad of players at Chelsea that uh, uh, there's strength in depth that goes goes in numbers that he's having and working with, and they've responded. So the start's been really positive. I still think with predominantly young squads, and and as Lee rightly said with Arsenal, you'll have a few performances, results, and then there's a dip, and that the lack of consistency, which he hasn't had yet, he hasn't had an adverse result to Paul. Um, I think Chelsea are, again, a work in progress and the start has been exceptionally good, perhaps better than he thought. He's unbeaten. He's got players on side. They've responded well. Will they Will they win the Champions League? No, I don't think they will come the end of it. He better not have any bad results. He'll get sacked within two weeks. <laughs> the record that he broke this week, the record that he broke this week, which is the greatest start uh, of any Chelsea manager, it's 13 games unbeaten. And that breaks the previous record, which was held by uh, Phil Scolari, which was 12 games unbeaten. Um, and what Phil Scolari didn't know is when he played, when he when he went that 12th game unbeaten, that was actually a third of the time he would serve as Chelsea manager. Yeah. He was sacked wow. 24 games later. <laughs> yeah. uh, the greatest start in the history of, of Chelsea managers, he was sacked 24 games later. Um, I think it's three months. I think it's Good October stat. the 20th. October the 20th. I, I, you know, I was just looking at it yesterday. October the 26th, they get beat by Liverpool. That is his first yeah. defeat. February the 9th, he's sacked. 
Yeah, I think, I think, it's, I was it's, in a hard way. I, I, I always remember where I am when Chelsea managers are sacked. It just, it's like a JFK <laughs> moment. I just always remember. Clark. And I, I do think if they don't win the Champions League, the priority has to be, and Chelsea are in full spot at the moment in the Premier League, if they don't secure Champions League football, then the alarm bells will be ringing for Tuchel, even sure. come the end of the season, yeah. if they were yeah, caught yeah. and they didn't finish in the top four. Well, it's, it's like that. It's that statistic about London, is it? You're never more than one metre from a rat or a bloke who's been sacked by Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's finish with a bit of fun because Thiago Silva, I mean, I'm a cricket nut and I'm watching him the other night at Stamford Bridge thinking, you're not quite low enough for first slip where you are, but you're probably in the gully position the way he's crouching over. What were you like, Lee? I mean, you were never, you were never a sub anyway, a bit in your last season. What, what were you like when you were watching? Terrible. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, fortunately, I, I had pretty uh, injury-free time at Arsenal, so I didn't miss many games through injury. Um, and I was, you know, I was six and a half out of ten, so I'd, I wasn't bad enough to drop. Oh, he'll, he'll churn another one out. So I kind of went under the radar as far as getting dropped concerned. Um, but when I was out of the team, I was terrible. And all that about, oh, you want the team to do well. Of course you do. You want the team to win because you want the win bonus. And you also want, and but you and you want right the back team to have to, a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! Don't absolutely. You want the left winger to have a game of his life and rip the right back to pieces. But every time he crosses it, Dave Seaman makes a brilliant save. And then you know, with, with seventy minutes gone, the manager's had enough and goes, "Go on, get on." And then I just tie the winger up for twenty minutes, and then I'm back in the team again. So all that rubbish about yeah, you, you want the team to do well, yes. Do you want the bloke who's playing in your position? Does Clive want the guy to get a hat-trick if he's sitting on the bench? Of course he doesn't. He wants an own goal, 1-0 win. That's what he wants. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I do remember, though, Lee, almost your last week at Arsenal. Most Arsenal fans remember this. They saw you run quicker than you've ever run in your career, I think. Correct, yeah. I was sub for the FA Cup final against Chelsea. And I was... I don't know why we were sent behind the goal to warm up. Is that where they warm up at... Um, Cardiff. It was at the uh, yeah, Cardiff, it was wasn't it? Millennium. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah there's more room. There's more room, but there's more room. Yeah. There, yes. And I remember being there when Ray scored his goal and ran to the corner flag with him. But then I went back for another uh, stretch and I was stretching my groin and I was leaning right behind the goal. People have seen it, but the point I wanted to make about it was that when Freddie started doing his, his little weaving run and he hit the ball, as soon as he hit the ball, I was behind the goal. I thought that's got a chance, and a Cudicini was in goal, and I was on it. I was literally probably six yards away from him because I was right at the back of the net, and he was probably on his about three or four yards off his line. And as Freddie hit the ball, I heard because as he started to go to make his dive, I heard his ball. I heard him go, oh, because he knew he already knew it was in. You know, goalies know when they go when they're in. And the ball was in the air, and the Cudicini went. So I, I took that as my starting pistol to actually go off running. And if it hadn't have gone in, if it had bit the bar or something, I would have literally looked an absolute lunatic because I was off, arms were up and I was gone. So and I did I did move. I surprised myself how quick I was that day. See, the gaffer should have played me from the start, but yeah. Lauren instead. It should have done. Well, Clive, you were hardly ever left out because you were scoring all the goals, but there was once when, when things didn't go your way. Yeah, um... I had, a, I had an interesting uh, relationship with Peter Reid, who was a who was a, a, a very young well, player manager at Manchester City when I was there. Um, we we had a, a conversation because when he took over, there was a chance of me coming back to London. David Pleat wanted me to come back to London to play for Luton, and I, I I ended up turning back up at the training ground, and he basically said to me, "What are you doing?" So I said, "Well, I'm not going to Luton." I said. Gaffer, you didn't come to Man City from QPR because you uh, you were forced to do it. And, uh, you know, it's not right for me. I'm going to stay. He said, well, you can stay, but you need to go and train with the kids across the other side of Manchester, which I did for 10 weeks. So basically, because I wouldn't leave, I was out. I was done. So obviously, I spent that time watching the team. Um, you know, Niall Quinn came in. Adrian Heath was the two strikers. I was hoping that they didn't score, but they did. Um, and that just meant I was banished to train with the kids for, for 10 weeks until there was an injury crisis. And uh, there we are, Saturday evening, I get a call, not from the manager, but from his assistant to say, you need to be at Main Road tomorrow. We're travelling to Notts County FA Cup tie. You're in the squad. 
So I arrived back with a group having been alienated for 10 weeks. And unfortunately, but fortunately for me, manager puts me on the bench as sub. So I'm sitting there not expecting to play any part, I have to say. But we were behind. Things were not going particularly well. And he says, he's on the pitch playing. He's playing manager. His assistant says, I'll get yourself warmed up. So up I go. And, and I did. I run towards the city supporters who are at one end. I was waving to them. They was like, where you been? What's been going on? Don't worry. Unfortunately, I went on. I was put on. And when I, when I say I was desperate to prove the manager right, it was, it was a teammate of mine in the game. He was playing in midfield with Peter Reid. First touch I scored, which was like the most fantastic thing to do. The second touch I was brought down for a penalty and I'll never forget it. And as I fall over and the penalty is given, I pick the ball up. And as I pick the ball up, I'm looking back up the pitch and Reed is on the halfway line with his hands on his knees, growling at me <laughs> like this. So I'm like, I'm picking the ball. And as I pick the ball up, Steve Redmond, who was captain centre half, he's on his way up to take the penalty. And I was, it's all right, Redo, I've got this. And he's just about on the shoulder of Peter Reed. And he looks up at Redo. He's growling at him. He's growling at me. I put the put the penalty down. I finished the penalty off and straight up the fence. I've never done it before in my life. Kissing the badge, hanging on the <laughs> fence with the city supporters going absolutely mad. We, we end up winning the game, coming after into the dressing room. A few senior players in that dressing room, Gary Megson being one of them, as I come in. You can imagine, Lee would appreciate, you can imagine the banter. Gaffer, who was the new signing? What a signing he was. And oh my goodness, Reedy is still absolutely fuming. And uh, it was uh, it was quite, quite something. The following morning, seven o'clock, I get a call from the manager because as I leave, obviously the press talk, what's been going on. Well, I've been with the kids for 10 weeks. You better ask the manager why I've not been playing. I haven't been involved, blah, blah, blah. The story, the headlines. I walk into his office at eight o'clock. He called me in at eight o'clock in the morning, the following morning, as I walk in. All the papers were spread across his desk. What the is this? So I went, Well, it's the truth. So he looked at me. I'm turning to leave the direct, to leave his office. He said, Where are you going? I said, I'm going back to train with the kids. He's come at me, pinned me up against the wall. He says to me, no, you're not. He said, get yourself round to Platte Lane. He said, you're training. We've got an FA Cup tight and you're starting on Tuesday night. <laughs> so I was back. Just uh, 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 uh. You're listening to Game On, a football podcast from Mail Plus. For more news, views and interviews, go to mailplus.co.uk forward slash Game On. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On. <laughs>